0: Today's sermon is a pretty simple title. It's Trust God. Trust God. What does it mean to trust God? How do I trust God? And as we think about trusting God, I do want to go ahead and let you know that this is not one of those, what I would call a cliche sermon, where I think that trusting God is this easy thing to do. I realize that trusting God is hard. Building trust in God happens a way that we probably don't enjoy. And so it is very easy for us to oversimplify this sermon and just say, you just need to trust God. But the fact is that there are obstacles in our way when we want to trust God. There are things that we have to go through and that process is long. But it's also difficult for us not to trust ourselves more than we trust God. And that's what the challenge is going to be. I know all of my giftings, I know my strengths, I know my weaknesses. And so my natural ability is to rely on myself and think that I am the responsible party in my life when things go right. And what I want you to see is if we can't trust God when things go right, we also won't trust God when things don't go the way we desire for them to go. And so this is gonna require a little bit of a deconstruction of ourselves. And see that the biggest enemy that we're probably fighting in terms of trusting God is the enemy within ourselves. The desire to think that we are capable of handling God-sized matters for ourselves. So we're going to a scripture that we all know about when we talk about trusting and trusting God. We're in Proverbs chapter three. And we're going to start at the first verse. Proverbs three. Says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, my son, do not forget my teaching. But let your heart keep my commandments, for length of days and years of life, and peace they will add to you. Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you, bind them around your neck, write them on the tablet of your heart, so you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all of your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty, and your vats will be bursting with wine. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline. Or be weary of his reproof, for the Lord reproves him whom he loves as a father, the son in whom he delights. Let's pray. God, as we prepare to um, hear this sermon and open our hearts and our ears and our spiritual eyes and our mind, God, help us really see with truth and clarity, God, what the, the word here is today. It is about trust, trusting you. How can we trust God? God, this is a challenge for all of us, including myself. My tendency is, God, to think that I'm strong and I'm able and I'm capable, God, but I've got to put all of my hope and my faith and my trust in you and help us be able to do that today. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, you'll notice something interesting here. Essentially the same way that We saw last week that he says the key for us making good decisions and having wisdom is the same as us trusting God. And he starts right here, he says, don't forget what we have been taught. Don't forget what we've been taught. Last week he said, do not forget the teaching of your mother or your father and that you should bind them around your neck the way you would wear an expensive piece of jewelry. Here he gives even more practical wisdom. He says, if your hearts keep the commandments of God, then there will be length of days in your life. Years and peace will be added along with those days to your life. Well, why does he say that? Why does he say if you're obedient or if you keep the commandments that you'll have more years, that you'll have more days, that you'll have more peace? Does he literally mean that by being obedient, I'm adding years to my life? Well, that's not literally what he means. I think what he's actually implying is pretty direct and pretty practical. It's easy to understand. He says, by not trusting God, you are actually taking days and years away and off of your life. Now, this is not me trying to be hyper spiritual. I think the writer here is being very specific and practical. He says, when you don't trust God, the stress and the worry, it affects you. It takes a toll on you, and it most certainly will take days and years off of your life. You stay up worrying yourself, racking your brain about how we're going to do this, how we're going to pay this, are we going to make it this way, are we going to go this way, are we going to survive, is this going to happen, what's going on in Israel, what's all this stuff. When you stay up and you stress yourself, not only do you feel it spiritually and emotionally, but it has an impact on you physically as well. And so he's saying, no, if you don't trust God, You are going to take years away because of the stress you're going to put on yourself. Undo stress. Stress about stuff that you, because you're not God, can't even handle. And so I think it's it's, it's very literal here. And it, it makes even more sense when Jesus says in Matthew 6, 27, And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? What he's actually saying is, don't you know the reverse is really true? That by being anxious, by being nervous, by being worried, by being concerned, that you're actually taking days and years off of your life? It's real practical wisdom here. God has certainly orchestrated it so that when we do not trust in him, that it has physical and mental repercussions for us. We don't trust God. Y'all know how that feels. Your heart races. Your thoughts are rampant. Your blood pressure rises. And you may even go to some of the darkest, most irrational places in your mind. Y'all, God doesn't want us to feel like this, but for so many of us in this very room, we have doubts that we will actually be and feel better by trusting God. So we want to take it in our hands. But he says here that trusting God not only adds days to your life, but it also increases the peace in your life. And y'all, that's really important. We have a hard time believing this. So how do we know that we will be better off? It's trusting God. The fear for us is that trusting God will have us out of control. But let me describe what that probably actually looks like, what that probably actually feels like. Last week, I was thinking about this sermon. It was last Sunday, and I was sitting on the deck. And when I was sitting there, I saw one of those Brookside pterodactyls fly by. Now, y'all call them birds, but they are, quite frankly, pterodactyls as I see it. And as I'm looking at it, it's actually not flying at all. The wings are not moving. It's just got them stretched out. And I could feel how strong the wind was because I was sitting there. It was blowing our fan even though it wasn't on. And as this thing is, I mean, hundreds of feet in the air, it's just got its wings stretched out. And where the wind blows, it doesn't resist, it doesn't try to go the other way, it just allows the wind to guide it where it needs to go. Now, maybe you say, well, that's a bird and that's instinct, but I got to think that that bird knows how high in the air that it is. That it knows that in order for me to fly, I need to be flapping my wings, but somehow it trusts the wind. And as the wind guides it, it goes. Now, let me tell you something. And I think this is what we need to get about trusting God. That bird was not in control. But that bird also wasn't out of control either. That bird wasn't flying all over the place. It wasn't spinning or doing a tailspin. It was just letting the wind guide it. And when it went the way the wind went, it was at peace. I couldn't help but think that this is the way that trusting God should look like for all of us. He knows the way that I take. I just have to humbly surrender myself to be guided by him. And he has to guide us. So it's not just instinct for that bird, but it's also learned behavior. How do I, God, when I feel like I'm so high up and the wind is carrying me, maybe in a direction I don't want to go, that I can just trust you? That I can just go the way that you're going? I can imagine being or feeling that out of control will often make us quickly want to take control back. It's like every year when the cold months hit and they start talking about those icy roads and they say... If you're skidding, because, you know, we from Alabama, we don't know nothing about no ice. If you're skidding, don't turn your wheel the opposite direction. Go in the direction you're going. That's the way that you get control. And that teaches me something as well. Because when you feel that skid, the natural response is, I got to take back control. And when you try to take control in that moment, you are actually more out of control than you ever were. Y'all, we cannot think that when we feel like we are not in control of our lives, that a knee-jerk reaction is going to put us on course. We are already on course. That knee-jerk reaction may take you off the course. Our natural response when we feel out of control is to take back control. But, y'all, we are all more dangerous when we are in control. It's just the reality. To this, the proverb says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. Y'all, trusting in the Lord requires all of our personhood. It requires everything that drives and motivates us to be in him. Why does it say that I need to trust in the Lord with all of my heart? Why is not I can trust in God with my actions? Why can't I trust in the Lord with all my good deeds? You all because your actions, your deeds, your words do not determine the level of trust you really have with God. The easiest thing for me is like, yeah, uh, trust God. God is in control. It's so easy to say. And we say it so flippantly until we realize what God being in control really looks like. Oh, God being in control doesn't look like what I want it to look like. But do we really believe it in our heart, even if we say it? Do we really mean it? When I say, God, I trust you, do do I mean those words? Because that lip service means nothing to God because that thing that we always say that we think lets us off the hook. Oh, but he knows my heart. You darn right he does. And he knows whether or not when you say that, if you mean it. Only my heart can determine my level of trust with God. It reminds me of this story of this dad and his daughter who were going on a long plane ride together. This daughter was extremely nervous about flying because she had never flown. Now, her father had actually flown several times, and he said that she had nothing to worry about. And while they were on that plane, they experienced some of the worst turbulence that he had ever experienced on all of his flights. And so there, she started to hyperventilate. She was trying to catch her breath. She was anxious and worried. And she looked over to her dad and he was sitting there, reclined, his eyes were closed, his legs were crossed, and to her he looked to be in total peace. And so she asked him, she said, Dad, how can you be in such peace while everything around us is so shaky and it feels like we're about to fall out of the air? He said, well, I trust the pilot. And as he said those words calmly, and he closed his eyes back and reclined back into his seat, he was alerted by his Apple Watch that his heart rate had exceeded panic attack levels. With his words he trusted, and even with his actions he trusted, but it was quite literally his heart that gave him away. So when we say that we trust God, these aren't just words that we say, but we've got to live it. So how do I make these words more than words? How how do I live by it? And my only advice is there are two ways, similar to last week, that you trust God. Through proactive humility, realizing before we even get on this path, I don't even know where we're going, God. You're the driver. Go ahead. Or reactive humility. I thought I was driving. I crashed. Now I need the Lord to drive. Is it? it is one or the other? There is a third option, but I really want to hope that none of us in this room are there the third option is there's a way that seems right to man and he drives that way and he goes that way and there are many people going that same way but the end of that path the bible says leads to destruction where are we going where are we headed You may say, look, I may be a lot of things. I may be smart. I may be wise. You may feel like you're talented, creative. You may be all of these things, but there is one thing that you are not and never can be. God. You ain't never going to be God. I am never going to be God. I can't even trust myself, y'all, enough to wake myself up, nor do I have any control over the future. Quite frankly, not to be terse, but trusting in ourselves is just stupid. It's idiotic. Do you realize at this very moment that the main muscle in your body Keeping you alive is an involuntary muscle. That's a sobering reality, ain't it? Sometimes I sit up and I listen to my heartbeat. It's a little irregular. Can't do nothing about it. But I'm listening to a beat, offbeat, and I'm thinking, Lord, you know, it ain't nothing I do about this. I can't do nothing about my heartbeat. It just beats as long as the Lord allows it to be. Now, for some people, that might be a little frightening, but it's a gentle reminder for me. Oh, Brandon, you think you in control? You don't even control that. That's in your chest and you can't control it. You think you're controlling everything else around you? No. I have to be reminded at the end of the day, I am not God. Trusting in God for all of us, y'all, is an admittance. That I don't understand the way that I go, that my understanding is warped, that is limited, that it's clouded. And it doesn't benefit me when being directed by God that I lean in my own direction. Now, let me help you with this leaning because this is I was trying to figure out how do people get so confused about this text? It was the King James. It messes up. Some of these I like to quote for King James, but that one, it ain't, it ain't as accurate as it should be. So ESV says, do not lean on your own understanding. But King James says, do not lean unto your own understanding, which to me, that's like, oh, I'm leaning this way. But what it's actually describing is like a person on a cane. As they lean on it, as it supports them to go the way they need to go. What he's actually saying here is the context is not don't lean in another direction. He says, no, don't lean on your understanding as the thing that holds you up. The thing that supports you can't be the way that you see it. It can't be your, per, your perspective. It can't be your perception of the world. Your understanding is so clouded by sin that even when you think you see clearly, you don't. And, that, and that's what we've got to understand that, that our understanding is like leaning on a weak cane. We are bound to fall and collapse when we lean on the way we see things, when we lean on the way that we understand things. But why is that? Because on my best day, Paul says, I can't see clearly. For now we see, we see now in a mirror. What do we see in a mirror? We see ourselves. But he says, you know how we see ourselves in that mirror? In a dim light. I don't even see myself the way God sees me. He says, but then face to face, now, the way that we know as much as we think we know, he says, now you you still only know in part. You don't even know half the story. You don't know half the journey. You have no idea what God is taking you. It says, but then, there is coming a day when I shall fully know. But right now, I just don't see all that clearly. I remember growing up, Jasmine, you remember this too. We'd be riding in the car with your daddy. He had this little red Kia. And, um. Uh, you could see the yellow foam coming out the dashboard. He had been driving and driving and driving that thing. Because that man don't spend no money on nothing. That's how he keep money. But I just remember, Jasmine, you remember this too. We would be riding in the car with him and he did this all the time. He was always just wiping the windshield. Just wiping the windshield. And I just did not understand what was happening because I'm looking at that windshield. There is nothing on that windshield. I'm like, what does he see? And it probably took me years to realize Jasmine Daddy wore glasses. Like, glasses, glasses. I think he was seeing his glasses were smudged. And he thought that the window was smudged. And all that time he wiping, he should have been wiping his glasses. But it helped me see something. That is the same way that we often walk through life. We think that everything else is messed up. We think everything else is clouded, but it's your lens. It is the way that I see the world that is backwards, that is warped, that is clouded. I got cataracts spiritually and I don't even know it. And it affects the way that I believe about where I should go. Now thank God it never affected his driving dramatically, but I can't say that that's the same for us spiritually. How many times were our eyes clouded by what we believe to be true? Y'all, we are all looking through these clouded, dim lenses that we call our sight, and the Things that we think we are clear about are not as clear as we think they are. For the Christian, truth is often distorted by what we see. It's amazing how what you see ain't what actually is. This is why we are instructed as we trust God not to walk by what we see but we walk by what we know to be true. And this is my advice to you. What you believe is better than what you see. What you know about God is better than what is ahead of you. It is better than what's in front of you. You have no idea what God might put in your way or what God might move in out of your way. When all the men were sent by Moses to spy out Jericho to see whether or not they could win the fight, they all looked with their eyes. And they saw all the men, they saw all these valiant warriors and they said, nah, brother, I don't think we're going to be able to do it. I don't think the Lord going to give us this one. All of them except two people. Two people in Joshua and Caleb and they went out, they looked out at what they saw. They saw the large number of men. They saw that they were valiant warriors. They knew what they were able to do but they knew they served and worshipped an even bigger God. I don't care what it looks like when I look out there. Of course it's daunting. Of course it looks impossible. But with me, Guess what? It is impossible. If it's on me, I can't do none of this. But if it is in the hands of God, what was impossible for me is possible for God. It's plain and simple. The question is, who do you trust? Yes, what you face may seem insurmountable. It may seem unattainable, but how big is your God by comparison? You don't think that God, who created the entirety of the universe, can't handle your little light afflictions? Of course he can. That is when Jesus gives that beautiful illustration when he says that our little, mustard seed sized faith, is enough to topple a mountain. Now let me let me be clear to you, because the prosperity folk gonna tell you, "Well, the mountain moved because you had faith." But see, we, we you're missing the point. You know how little a mustard seed is. It's proof positive. Oh, it wasn't my faith that did it at all. My little faith married with God's control, can do anything. It's not because of my faith. It's because of our God. Do you believe him? How are you looking out into the world? And he says, as we wrap up, do not be wise in your own eyes. Trust God for and in everything and acknowledge Him in everything that we do. This goes back to what we said last week. The key to making good decisions is making them with Him in mind. And the grace that we get is that He forms and straightens out the path that I take. Trusting God means at times as I trust him, the way he looks rounded off or a little too curvy. But you know what God does? As I'm coming to a curve, he straightens the path out because I trust him. So if you were in this room and you are wondering whether or not you should go this way or go that way. I'm just saying the peace that God gives you is whatever way you take, he knows He knows the way that you take. And he's straightening it out for you. That's the peace that I can actually now rest at night, not trying to figure out which way do I go? Should I do this? Should I do that? Maybe I can get off the blood pressure medicine. Maybe I can get off the anxiety medicine and just trust God. Like he has me in his hands and he knows the direction that I'm going. And maybe it's better that I don't know. I'm going to keep bringing up this, uh, this tornado until y'all get the point. If the Lord had told me when we planned the church, by the way, your building going to get hit by a tornado, I would have said, all right, don't, you don't don't worry about it. If I had known that, would have never done it. But God, in his grace to us, permits us to only see dimly. Because truth be told, If we saw the full picture, most of us wouldn't even get up out of bed in the morning. I'm glad God knows the way that I take. Also, if you don't have saving faith in God and you're looking out like, what can God do for me? He can take your meaningless wandering in life and God can give you purpose and direction, but more than anything, he can save your soul. So the question is, will we trust him? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for um, just this word today. God, trusting you is not as easy as we would like it to be. Truth be told, it does take going through some things for us to trust. God, we are not hardwired to put all of our cares and our concerns on you, but we have been instructed to cast our cares on you because you care for us. And God, I am reminded of Jesus' words to us. He says of the burden that we have borne in the past, his burden is light. His yoke is easy for us. God, I just pray that all of us in this room, and I know we're all at different places and stages in life, trying to figure out, Lord, what should I do? Which way should I go? Which direction should I be headed in? We just have to trust that you've gone before us. God, in every obstacle, everything that seems to be in the way, it was divinely appointed. Every hurt, every situation, every conversation it was divinely appointed and so God my prayer is that you will help us trust you with all that we have and all that we are it's in Jesus name